I'd like to read our scripture. It's 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. John addresses kind of three spiritual ages, doesn't he, in the Christian life. You know, we as human beings, we are not just physical beings, but we are also spiritual beings. And there are parallels between the, Christ, the, spirit, uh, the physical life and our spiritual lives. Our Lord Jesus Christ uses those parallels to give many parables, doesn't he, in the Gospels. We tell something about human life and then he draws a spiritual lesson from that. And so I thought in explaining this section of the Bible, we would think about those parallels between our physical life and our spiritual life. So we can certainly say there are three ages in our physical life, right? There are times when we are little children. There are times when we become young adults. And there are times when some of us get to older age and we become elders and like uh, John says, fathers. Uh, and so we have characteristics of each age. And I want us to see how these parallel the spiritual things that John is saying. So if you want to fill in your uh, outline, you are welcome to. So as we think about little children, what are characteristics of little children? Well, the first thing I want to say is it's a time of very limited knowledge. All right? How much do children know? <laughs> Very little, right? They're learning about everything. Think about the baby in the crib. First thing he learns about is his own body, right? He finds out he has feet. <laughs> he finds out the different parts. Maybe his parents put a mobile up above and things go around and he starts seeing other objects and that interest him and distract him. And, and so he starts seeing things outside his body. Then, of course, you know, when he gets out of the crib and he starts crawling, then he gets into everything, doesn't he? Uh, but he's very limited in his knowledge. That's a characteristic of little children. The other thing with little children is life is a new discovery every day, isn't it? It's a, it's a life of new experiences and discoveries, right? As a child gets out of that crib, he, he uh, starts uh, finding all kinds of objects in the house, uh, he learns about his family members that he has. Uh, you take him outside, and he gets to enjoy nature, doesn't he? Uh, can anybody forget, with their little children, the expression of excitement, right? When the little kid sees a butterfly for the first time, or you give him a flower, and he, he touches it and, and uh, smells it and sees the beauty of that flower, and he's just amazed at the world that he is discovering day by day. So it's a time of new experiences and discovery. 
And we also have to say that uh, early childhood is also very fragile, all right? It, children stumble, they fall, uh, they're full of what? Uh, scraped knees, scraped elbows, mom and dad are always picking them up and comforting them because uh, they're always having problems. And it shows that it, when they're fragile, they need nurture. They need protection. They need instruction to help them during this time of early childhood. Well, John writes to the little children. He's writing to spiritual newborns. And so let's try to parallel these things with what John is writing. Uh, he says two things to them in verses 12 and 13. He says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. And then in verse 13, he says, I am writing to you, uh, or have written to you, children, because you know the Father. And so, what do newborn Christians know? What do you know right after you're saved? Well, John says, I'm writing to you, little children, even though uh, we have very limited knowledge when we're first saved. John says, I'm, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. And so even newborn Christians have an assurance of their salvation and the forgiveness of their sins because they have had true faith in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. You know, if the gospel was presented clearly to you through the word of God, that makes a great difference, doesn't it? And then you have understood that you have been a sinner separated from God under judgment for your sins and that God in his love didn't want you to perish, but that he sent his son and that the perfect sinless son of God suffered the punishment that you deserve on the cross so that God could forgive those who put their faith and their trust in the work of his son and turn away from themselves. And so the message of the gospel is simple. And if it's delivered in a true way, the moment one uh, asks Jesus to be a savior and turns from their sin and believes in the work of Jesus, God gives them that assurance. I believe it's the birthright of every new believer assurance of salvation. For myself, I remember two weeks before I was saved, I had gone to a Bible bookstore, and uh, the, the owner of the bookstore, he addressed my brother and me, and he said, well, if you guys were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? Boy, that was a hard question. And we said, well, we want to, but uh, or, uh, no, we're not sure. And he said, well, you can know. And he quoted John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then he quoted John 5.24, where Jesus said, He who hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but has passed from death into life. And uh, when I heard that that day, it sounded too simple. <laughs> How could it be so easy? You've got to work for your salvation, right? Uh, 
But you know, two weeks later, I was listening to a Christian radio program at night. I was all by myself. And when I heard how uh, these Christian women saw answers to prayer in their life, that's when I was really convicted of being a sinner. And I knew I was separated from God. I knew I did not know the Lord. And I remember those two verses that had been quoted for me. And I turned to John 3.16. And I turned to John 5.24. And I realized the Lord was offering me the free gift of eternal life if I would believe on the work of his son. And that night, I prayed and asked Jesus to be my savior. And I can honestly say that when I got up after praying, that, that I knew, I knew I was saved. I knew my sins were forgiven because the Holy Spirit took God's word and gave me the assurance of my salvation. So I believe every Christian who truly learn, uh, hears the word of God and responds and gets saved should have that assurance. Like John is writing, even the little children, you know your sins have been forgiven you. The second thing he says, he said, I, I have written to you children because you know the Father. And so every new Christian knows that his relationship to God has changed drastically, right? God is now our heavenly Father. And so with that limited knowledge now, the Holy Spirit has enabled that person who is born again to see God as his heavenly Father. He is now a child of God in the family of God. And God is the one who loves him and cares for him and directs him. And he can pray to his Father. And this is the job of the Holy Spirit, that when we trust the Lord as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into our life and takes the word of God and enables us to have assurance and enables us, our hearts, to rise in love to our Heavenly Father. Paul addresses this in Romans 8 and verses 15 and 16. He says this, For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And so the Holy Spirit within us uh, takes God's word. That's why I always believe that when we lead someone to the Lord, we take them right back to the word and show them God's promises. Uh, toward the end of 1 John, John even does this, right? He says in, in 1 John 5.13, he says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Right before that, he has a little reasoning there. He said, if we believe what people tell us, how much more can we believe what God tells us in his word? And then he says, he says, what has God told us? He says, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. That's the passage I always like to take new believers to. And I show them, what do you have right now? And they say, oh, I have that life. Yes. But I can remember as a new believer too, my heart rising toward God, wanting to pray, 
wanting to love him, wanting to live for him, wanting to have his help in my life. So yes, even newborn believers, we don't know much, but we know enough, don't we, to know that we're saved and we know that we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father and we start walking with the Lord. All right, well, let's go back to human life. Uh, we all have to grow up, usually. Uh, growing up isn't really hard, right? Give kids stuff, good stuff to eat, help them to exercise and run around and learn, and before you know it, they're grown up, right? <laughs> before you know it, they're teenagers and, and ready to go out of the house, right? They've grown up in mind and body, uh, and so, Yes, we, physically we grow up and we come to the place of uh, being teenagers or young adults. And so physically, what are the characteristics of uh, that age in our human life? Well, I think we have to say simply that it's an age of physical strength and endurance. This is the time when uh, the body is being fully developed, the mind is being fully developed, this is a time when there's great physical strength. This is when we see our young people, what, compete in sports, right? And, uh, uh, and, and do great, or run marathons, maybe. Uh, something I never tried, but <laughs> uh, it shows they have great strength and they have endurance. Let me ask you a question. Who do we send to the Olympics? The 60-year-olds? No, we send our young people, right, our young adults. And they go and do fantastic things, right? In gymnastics and swimming and other things because this is the time of great physical strength and endurance. Secondly, uh, young adulthood is a time of accomplishment, all right? So this is the time when, when young people pursue their education or they learn a trade or they, they uh, perfect something and start a career and they launch out in their lives. It's a time when now they can accomplish things for themselves instead of being dependent on everybody else when they were growing up. Well, John addresses that age spiritually here in 1 John, and he talks to the young men, the young adults. Let's read again what John says to them in verses 13 and 14. He says, I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And then in verse 14, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. And so, growing up spiritually, we reach the place where we become spiritually strong by learning and applying the word of God to our life. Remember, kids just can't eat and be couch potatoes, can they? They got to get up, they got to exercise, they've got to use the muscles that are forming. Uh, and uh, growing in the Lord is not just learning. It's not just getting knowledge, is it? It's applying the word of God to my life. It's learning what the Lord has for me and obeying his will, putting it into practice and gradually being changed and transformed through God's power. And so being young men or young adults spiritually, we are spiritually strong. Uh, John says 
that they were strong because the word of God abides in them. And others have talked about, right, that word abide uh, in the gospel and already in 1 John. It's so important to abide in the Lord, to obey him, and to allow him to work in our lives the way God wants. The second thing uh, we said physically, it's an age of accomplishment. And John is talking about the fact that young Christians who grow up in the Lord, they, they experience victory in their spiritual life. Victory over sin and over Satan. And he explains that. He says, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome. Yes, it's wonderful being a new Christian, just like a child, you know, being excited with uh, have all that enthusiasm and experiencing all the new things that God has for you. But do you remember as a new Christian the times we struggled, the time you failed, the times you you the Christian life was really hard for you. Well, God doesn't want us to continue that way in spiritual babyhood. God wants us, as we use the word of God, as we grow, God wants us to eventually learn the principles of victory whereby uh, we don't keep failing. You know, as you learn the word of God and you put it into your life and you stand on the truth, the one thing that happens is Satan can't get you with his lies anymore. And I believe a lot of Satan's temptations are his lies, aren't they? And as he gets Christians to believe the old lies, then they, then they fall down. But when you stand on the truth of the word of God, you become strong and you overcome the evil one. And you come to the place where you start experiencing victory and spiritual freedom. And so we mentioned that in the physical life, that's the time of accomplishment. So how does that compare to the spiritual life then? Well, I wrote down here that this is a time for Christians to start serving the Lord. See, when you're not preoccupied with your own troubles and your own struggles and failing all the time, when you get victory and and. and you have that spiritual freedom. Now you can start thinking about others, right? And what you can do with your life to make an impact for the Lord. And so this is the time when we should be thinking about what are my abilities? What are my gifts? What are the needs I see here in church? What are the needs I see around me? How can God use me to make a difference for him in this world? Is that right? It's wonderful. And so we as Christians need to reach that place where we are ready to serve because we are in spiritual young adulthood now. We're not babies anymore. Well, life keeps growing, doesn't it? And so uh, those who are young adults eventually get older and become elders. John uses the word fathers. So you know you're kind of an elder when... Uh, well, when, when you become a grandparent, <laughs> you know you're older. Once, you're, once you become a grandparent, if you have a family, I know everybody isn't married, doesn't have grandkids, but yeah. And then as you get aches and pains, and you find, uh-oh, 
I'm not as physically active as I was before. My life is not necessarily about all the things I'm doing, but it's about something else, right? Physically. So what are the characteristics of life uh, in the physical world uh, at the time that we are elders uh, in our older life? Well, uh, we have a lifetime of experience behind us, right? Life is about experiences. And so when you've lived life a long time, you have a lot of experiences to share, right? So uh, we have a couple that just celebrated 50 years. Ask them about their last 50 years. I'm sure they'll tell you lots about the experiences they have had, both individually and together, all right? And with those experiences now, the second thing we can say is, uh, older age is a time of knowledge and wisdom. You know, it's a shame that our American culture focuses on the youth because that's where they sell everything, right? Uh, in all the other cultures of the world, there is such great respect for old age, for those who have the wisdom, for those who have the knowledge, for those who are capable of leading others. It's a shame, isn't it, in our culture that uh, so often older age is unvalued, all right? And I, I sort of gave that third point away is that in older age, we have the ability to lead and to give advice and counsel to the younger folks. So even in this world, you know, our leaders, our president is what, 80 years old? <laughs> Uh, or did he turn 81? I forget. But uh, yes, our, our older folks are the leaders, not the kids. We don't look to the kids in this world for leadership. Better not anyway, huh? All right. So uh, John addresses those who are in this age spiritually, and he calls them fathers. And what he says to the fathers is really very simple, and he repeats it twice. What does he say to the fathers? He says, I am, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I, and verse 14, I have written to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. Think about it. When we're a young Christian, someone is always teach us, teaching us about the Lord. <laughs> When you've walked with the Lord for many years, what do you know about him? You have a much deeper knowledge, don't you? Of the, This is the characteristic of spiritual life uh, as you've lived with the Lord for many years. As you walk with him and you prove God's faithfulness in your life, you know him in a much deeper level than you ever knew him before. Secondly, it's a time of spiritual maturity and wisdom. The things you have learned from life's experiences. And I think especially from the trials that we have had. You know, the Christian life is not without trial. It's not without trouble. It's not without hurts. It's not without difficulties. And you have to depend on the Lord through those trials. And you, you go through them and it gives you a maturity uh, and a, a patience and, and wisdom of the things you have learned 
Thirdly, I want to say that to know him means that we have a pure love for the We know him. Uh, you know, as a young believer, uh, you always are so happy when the Lord does something for you, right? Yeah, the Lord did this. Praise the Lord. Lord did this. Hallelujah. But you know, as you walk with the Lord for years, you know what you learn? Who he is is more important than what he does even. You know him. You appreciate the very character of God, his holiness, his attributes, his love, his goodness, more than the things that he does. And as you appreciate God, guess what you're looking forward to? You're looking forward to heaven. You're looking, you know, as an older Christian, you start losing your friends, right? Your relatives who know the Lord, and you're so looking forward to going to heaven to be with them and to be with your Lord Jesus Christ. You're, you have an upward look now to your life that you didn't have before. And then lastly, we should be in the uh, adult senior time of our spiritual life. We should be leaders and models and counselors for others. Uh, it's really interesting. I was thinking of an illustration. When I was a new Christian uh, and I started going to Bible-believing church, uh, my Sunday school teacher, she was a dear, dear, dear saint of God. And she had been missionary in Canada, and she had married this man who said he was a believer. And then after they got married, he turned against the Lord, he turned against her. And all those years of her marriage were so, so difficult. And she had just had to trust the Lord and lean on him for all that she, she had to go through. And as a young believer, I, I just said to her, I said, uh, tell me, where do you have your devotions in the Bible? And uh, she said, oh, I love the Psalms. <laughs> I just love to read the Psalms and hear about how the Lord helped them through their struggles and how the Lord was the answer. <laughs> and here's a new Christian. I just sort of scratched my head. And I said, oh, I love the, I love the epistles. Peter says, do this, do that. <laughs> so does the apostle Paul. That's what I was interested in, right? I was wanting to do the action stuff, right? And at that time, I, I really couldn't understand how she could just go through the Psalms and, and, and get so much blessing out of the Psalms. But you know what? I love the Psalms today. Why is that? Because now I've gone through struggles, right? I've had to look to the Lord. I found the Lord as the answer. In fact, I've memorized 26 of the Psalms. I love them so much. And uh, that shows the change, doesn't it? Shows a change in spiritual life. Shows a maturity. Shows a wisdom. It shows a deeper knowledge of God that we never had when we were young. And so we have the ability to lead and to counsel others. And especially we should be role models, you know, to others. When I was teaching at the Christian Discipleship Center with our men, uh, one of the men started calling me his Che. And in Navajo, that means my grandpa. 
<laughs> now, I was old enough to be his grandpa. <laughs> but, but that isn't why he called me Che, because Che is a, a term of respect for an older man who has wisdom. And he told me one day, it just it touched my heart so deeply, he said, Joe, I get up every morning, and I just can't, I get up every morning, and I live for the time when I can come to your class and you teach me God's word. You're my Che. Wasn't that a blessing? Man, that just touched me so great. And uh, that's what we should be. Uh, we should be growing up. We should be serving God. And then we should be role models and able to help those who need help who are further behind on the road. Well, in application, let me just ask you three questions this morning. All right? Remember, we said growth is natural in the human life. And so are we growing in the Lord beyond being spiritual babies? Yeah, it's wonderful being a new Christian, having all that enthusiasm, and having new experiences all the time. But remember those struggles, right? Remember, God wants us to obey. He wants us to get that word of God in our hearts so that we start changing and growing and being transformed and being more like the Lord. Secondly, are we experiencing victory over sin and finding ways to serve God and others with our spiritual freedom? That's why God sets you free. That's why God gives you victory. That's why God helps you to overcome so that you don't stay focused on yourself, so that you can start looking outward and seeing how God can use you. It should be a time when you start accomplishing something with your life for eternal purposes. Thirdly, do we love God supremely and value his presence and character as our greatest blessing? Once we know him, he means the most to us. Yes, earthly relationships and all of the things that we've already experienced, but the most important thing is knowing the one that we're going to spend eternity with and having such an intimate relationship with him and seeing wonderful answers to prayer and knowing the Lord has, has led you all the way. through. Well, shall we close in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we do praise you this morning for this lesson from your word. We thank you for the wisdom you gave the Apostle John as he wrote these words. And Lord, we, we need to reflect upon this. We know we have, for most of us, many of us, we have gone through the different stages of our physical life. We have manifested these characteristics. And so, Lord, challenge us this morning. Are we manifesting the spiritual characteristics of growth, of maturity, of uh, a greater knowledge of you, of the opportunities to serve you and make a difference with our lives today? Lord, we, we just pray that you would receive the honor and the glory from our lives and that we will continue to move forward in your will. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.